0: Is an Odyssey original. This is Coronavirus Daily.
1: I'm Charles Feldman. I'm Mike Simpson from the KX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. Insurance companies will soon be required to reimburse you for the cost of at home
0: COVID tests if you
1: can find them. Pfizer developing an Omicron specific vaccine. Is it going to be too late by the time it gets here?
0: And COVID cases could start falling just as
1: fast as they've shot up. During the Omicron surge, we start with the at home tests. They've been hard to find, might get even harder now that private insurance companies are going to be required to cover them. Lindsay Dawson, health systems and insurance coverage expert at the Kaiser Family Foundation. Lindsay, how hard is it going to be to get reimbursed for these guys?
2: So starting on Saturday, consumers should be able to get reimbursed for tests that they purchase out of pocket. Um, if you brought something in December, your insurance company doesn't have to reimburse you um, at, by the end of this week. Um, but starting on test purchase Saturday on, um, you should be able to seek reimbursement.
0: Now, am I correct that as I read it, each individual is entitled under this plan to eight tests, I believe, per person in, in their household per month? That's so, right. right. So if somebody but I have this 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 notion of being in line at a at a pharmacy and the pharmacy has maybe like 30 in stock and the guy in front of me is going to say, hey, I've got like Four people in my family give me eight each person because you don't have to spread it out over the month. You can get them all in one time, right?
2: Yeah. So certainly the success of this program and its ability to help people better afford tests hinges on test availability. Um, And so we're going to have to watch that very closely. Certainly today, um, it doesn't look like you can necessarily walk into your local pharmacy and be guaranteed that there's even a single test on the store shelves. Um, let alone eight. Um, And so there's definitely efforts underway um, to try and encourage more test companies to come into the U.S. and to get those tests to market. Um, But right now, it could certainly be a wrinkle in this plan.
1: Is it on me to file the expense and wait for them to look at the receipt and get the money back? Or are they going to say, you know what, if you go to CVS, or Walgreens uh, show your card and then you get one there and we'll, we'll get you the money or do I not have to pay? How is it supposed to work?
2: Yeah, so there are two ways it can work. Um, the first is that plans are being encouraged uh, to provide what they're calling direct coverage of tests to consumers. And so that would mean that your plan creates some kind of a network with pharmacies or stores or develops a direct-to-consumer shipping program and there and well, they could get a test, right? They could do that without having to front the cost. And the plan would take care of the reimbursement on the back end. Depending on how that's set up, from a consumer perspective, this could be the easiest way to get a test and could certainly save them from having to front the cost or to navigate a reimbursement process.
0: Shouldn't all, shouldn't all of this have been done like a long time ago? It's kind of like the Titanic, you know, is, is, is going under and they're putting out a call to buy lifeboats.
2: Yeah, um, you know, I do want to, I'll respond to that in just a second. I just do want to say for um, folks listening that in addition to that direct consumer piece, people can seek more traditional reimbursement. So save your receipts, navigate a reimbursement process, reimburse them, wait for re, um, reimbursement um, and then move on. But yeah, I mean, the U.S. approach to testing generally has been quite different from what we've seen in some other countries. Initially, the U.S. really invested in vaccines um, and folks probably have the experience that after the initial ramp up that vaccines were widely and freely accessible to them. You could go to a mass vaccine site, you could go to a pharmacy, you could go to a health center, or you could go to your county um, and get a vaccine without paying. Other places did this with testing. Um, so places like the UK made these initial Um, advanced purchase agreements with testing companies assured the companies that there would be a market and um, really developed a a system for getting tests out to people quickly. So we're playing a bit of catch up in the U.S.
1: Lindsay Dawson, health systems and insurance coverage experts at uh, Kaiser Family Foundation.
0: Pfizer is rushing to produce 50 to 100 million doses of a new Omicron specific version of its COVID vaccine. It's also testing hybrid combinations of the vaccine, to target multiple variants.
1: Deborah Fuller a vaccine developer, microbiologist at the University of Washington. Is this going to help us end the pandemic, or is it uh, too late for these vaccines to actually make a difference?
3: Yes, I think there's, there are two, two different ways of looking at this. Uh, first of all, one, one of the aspects about the mRNA vaccines is that they can be very rapidly updated. But the question is, uh, is it too little, too late? Um, And what we're, um, you know, typically when we have to update vaccines, for example, influenza, we update our vaccines every year, what you're doing is you have to get the vaccine administered in front of the surge, and of course we're already experiencing the surge right now, and so the thinking where this vaccine might be a bit too late is that by the time it's ready, that surge is already done, so who is this vaccine going to benefit. On the other hand, it could have a benefit, particularly for people who are still unvaccinated. If you think about um, currently right now, the recommendation is for us to go out and get a third uh, booster immunization with the original vaccine that was designed for the original variant. And that's because that raises our immunity to levels that's gonna provide us with this as a significant degree of protection against Omicron. Um, But let's say you're unvaccinated. Um, If you were to say, get an Omicron specific vaccine, you may be able to build that immunity much quicker, say after two doses, then have to go through the full three doses to get that immunity. So I can see where if they are going to produce some doses of this, that it might have some benefit for certain uh, demographics. But I can also see on the other hand, where uh, the thinking of too little too late, we will probably and hopefully be past the surge of Omicron by March.
0: Well, and it, and it also, I mean, you know, the public does end up getting, I think, fa- you know, vaccine fatigue. Uh, you get the sense of a uh, hamster kind of spinning a wheel in a cage, that, that, you know, you finally come up, they'll come up with an Omicron uh, variant-specific vaccine, and perhaps, as we've just been talking about, it's going to be on the tail end of the surge, but by the time people start rolling up their sleeves, if they do, to get that shot, maybe another variant comes along. I mean, yes, everybody is supposed to get a yearly flu shot, but I think some people are thinking, well, wait a minute, we're getting, it seems, a lot more than one shot a year at the moment.
3: Yes, that's because we are in a pandemic right now, and a pa- and pandemic is very different from what our future holds for uh, for coronaviruses. Ultimately, this virus is going to become endemic, which is very similar to what influenza is right now. And then we'll probably be looking at annual immunizations to update our vaccines, to match whatever variant may be circulating. But when you're in a pandemic, you're going to have unexpected surges of new variants emerging here and there. Uh, And so that's the situation we're in right now. But the future is that uh, two different possibilities. One is that similar to influenza, we might need annual immunizations updated to match whatever the variant is. It may not be one variant. It may be multiple variants circulating similar to what we see with influenza. But the real future for coronavirus vaccines, I think is actually a concept that we call pan-coronavirus vaccine, which is currently under development in research labs, including my own lab, where we're gonna have one vaccine, ideally that's gonna induce immune responses that cross-react across a lot of different coronaviruses out there. Not only all the ones that are circulating, but potential future ones to come so that we might have immunity to protect against any future uh, pandemics. So that's the future. We're looking at maybe five years down the line for one of those. And in the interim, what we're hoping is that within uh, another year or so, or maybe six months, who knows how long it's going to be, that we'll start to see this pandemic become endemic and be able to manage it uh, more effectively through annual immunization.
0: But forgive me, why do I sort of sense that in, I don't know, maybe five years from now, if there is a a pan uh, uh, variant vaccine available that covers all, why do I see the headline in five years saying, New coronavirus variant pierces the shield of the all purpose vaccine,
3: yeah, so that's the the hypothesis or the, the the thinking is that it won't be able to because the way these vaccines are designed will be designed is to induce immune responses against parts of the coronavirus that do not change they're the same, and all so all coronaviruses have to have certain components. That are the same, because if they change them, then they actually compromise their own ability to replicate, which would be good for us, actually, if, if mm-hmm. they do so. Uh, so that's the concept behind it is that uh, there won't be a coronavirus out there that could emerge. Uh, to dodge uh, the immunity of a pan coronavirus vaccine, there's a similar concept under development for influenza as well—a universal influenza vaccine that maybe uh, that would be able to provide immunity against all different strains of influenza. And at most, we might have to get booster immunizations just to you know sustain the immune response uh, at high levels. You know, say may every two or three years.
1: Deborah Fuller, vaccine developer, microbiologist, University of Washington.
0: Coming up after a short break is the end of the current COVID surge in sight. Things look bad right now, but scientists say we could soon see the peak of the Omicron wave in the U.S., and after that the number of cases could plummet.
1: Yeah, Omicron's so contagious, it's uh, maybe going to run out of people to infect. Dr. Anne Ramoyne, professor of epidemiology and infectious diseases at UCLA's Fielding School of Public Health. Doctor, it looks like Omicron is peaking in the U.K. Are we going to see the same thing soon in the U.S.?
4: Well, thanks for having me, and uh, this is a very important topic that everybody is wondering right now. And and so what what we're really seeing here is that the, the, the cases are accelerating dramatically, Uh, throughout the United States. And, and we can, you know, we, it's, it's likely that, that we may follow a similar trend, uh, in the, what we saw in the, in South Africa and the UK, but there are some caveats there. First of all, the United States is a much bigger country, and we're probably going to be seeing peaks and valleys with certain, certain regions peaking first. So, for example, New York and DC may be peaking, um, soon. We may here in Los Angeles have a ways to go, and certainly the Midwest, which is behind uh, the the rest of us, will, uh, you know, very well may may peak after that.
0: Let me see if we could also clear something up for all of our listeners, because I've been looking at uh, social media the past couple of days, and also what government officials from the CDC uh, on down uh, have been saying, and. There's this narrative developing, doctor, that people are saying, well, you know, uh, we're being told that every it's so infectious, everybody is going to get this particular variant. And so, you know, what's coming next. Uh, the next part of that equation is people say, so then if we're not vaccinated, what's the point? Because we're going to get it anyway.
4: Well, I, I think that that's not exactly what what uh, the 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 messaging has been. And I know that this is very confusing. The, the the point that uh, the health the, all of these people in the in the health sector have been making is that everybody is likely to come in contact with covid-19 at this point. It is not that the vast majority of people will get it. We really do have a choice uh, in terms of what we do to reduce our risk of getting the virus. We will see a lot of people getting it and certainly uh, the vast majority of people will come in contact with it, but you reduce your chances of getting it if you are vaccinated, and in particular, if you are boosted, if you wear a very high-quality mask, if you take your activities outdoors where you can, wash your hands, uh, remain social distance, and avoid gatherings uh, with people that are outside your household at this particular moment. You can definitely uh, reduce your risk of getting it, though so you may come in contact or in closer, closer proximity to people who do have it.
1: Okay, so instead of saying everyone's going to get this, which means you know, to some people, well, let it rip, who cares? Let's overwhelm the hospitals. Uh, You can say everyone's going to be exposed, which can promote, I don't know, caution because you know it's going to come for you at some point. So be ready when it's here and have on that good mask.
4: Exactly. Now there are many reasons why you still don't want to catch Omicron. uh, Just to quote, get it over with. Uh, This is this is definitely uh, not just a, um, a, a bad cold. And as you said, uh, if people if if there's a potential for long term consequences and there are people in particular, those who are vulnerable, who will get very sick, potentially get hospitalized and and even die. But even if it is it is milder than other variants, every case that we have pushes uh, this this epidemic farther. It provides the virus for opportunities to to mutate. If it's mutating, we may end up with more contagious uh, or virulent variants. And and of course, the issue that you brought up, more cases mean that our hospitals are getting overwhelmed.
0: So if you're triple vaccinated and you're pretty cautious anyway, are there things, for example, that you will not do now?
4: Absolutely. I you know, I I think everybody has to really think about their own risk threshold, but also what they're doing and how it's going to going to contribute to spread in our community. Uh, So. Things that, the, the, the reason that we all want to avoid getting it and being part of transmission chains is we have to drive down these cases. Not just about you. It's not just about me. It's about all of us. And we have more cases out there. Our hospitals are overwhelmed. Our schools have trouble staying open. Our teachers are sick. Our essential workers are sick. Our health workers are sick. So everybody benefits when the number of cases go down. What can you do? You can, of course, vaccinations and boosting. Very important. Very important. The the next thing that you can do is that you can wear a very high quality mask. No more cloth masks. Some cloth masks are not as effective against Omicron. Wear a KN95 or an N95. Or if you don't have options to wear either of those, wear two surgical masks or a surgical mask with a tight fitting cloth mask over it. Uh, you know, up that game. And again, take those activities outside where you can.
0: Very quickly, before we run out of time, one of the things that has struck me throughout this whole pandemic is whenever we talk to all kinds of experts, very rarely do they also bring up things like better, getting better nutrition, getting good sleep, those sort of things. Isn't that important too, along with wearing masks and getting vaccines?
4: Well, certainly having, your, um, having optimal immunity is, is, a, is good and, and good for, for all things. So there's no reason not to do that. Uh, but you know, this variant is extremely contagious. So the things that you really want to be able to do is to, to focus on wearing, and, and in the short term, long-term game, better nutrition, better, take better care of yourself. Short-term game, don't get Omicron. Be vaccinated, be boosted, wear a high-quality mask. Avoid doing things indoors that you don't have to do with people that are outside your household. Uh, take it outside and uh, be mindful of what your what your plans are these days.
1: Dr. Anne Ramoyne, professor of epidemiology, infectious diseases, UCLA's Fielding School of Public Health.
0: Could cannabis help in the fight against COVID-19? A new study from researchers at Oregon State found that chemical compounds found in hemp have the ability to prevent the virus that causes. COVID-19 from entering human cells. They say that these compounds have a long history of safe use in humans, and no, they won't get you high. The researchers say these compounds do not contain THC. That's the psychoactive ingredient that's found in marijuana.
1: This is an Odyssey original. Find us and others on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.